You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Soul Forge podcast. Welcome to the Soul Forge, a place of silent mystery, quiet contemplation, and outright mayhem. Join your host, Sean Vanderloo, as he guides you through the adventures of living. Together, we'll talk about life and love, sex and dating, joy and heartache, memories and loss, and so much more. Don't worry, it's not nearly as pretentious as it sounds. Get ready for life, the universe, and everything on The Soul Forge. Greetings, gang. It's Sean right back at you with another episode of Soul Forge. And with me this week, live via satellite, coming through the Skype speakers, we have our good buddy, Paul Wright. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hi, Sean. It's nice to be back on again. Yes, it's good to hear from you. Uh, how's everything going there in the UK? Uh, well, as we speak, we're in the middle of this um, 2020 COVID-19 business. Uh, we're all in lockdown. Uh, we're all stuck in our houses, only essential travel, as I'm uh, sure it's the same with you over there. Yeah, it's pretty much identical. Um, I, I still have to go out and deliver the mail, but uh, I, I'm not outside much more than I have to be. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm, you're a key worker, obviously. And I'm, I'm unfortunately considered a key worker myself, but I can actually work from home. So <laughs> I'm sort of stuck in, stuck in the house working whilst the rest of the family is all just enjoying themselves lying around watching TV and playing on the phones and consoles and all sorts of things. And I have to work. I'm, I'm thinking that uh, after this is all over, all of us essential workers should get a month off. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I know there's, um, there's been a thing about uh, a lot of pop stars over here are, are saying they'll have a, 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 um, a whole concert devoted to uh, the NHS workers and the doctors and nurses and all of this. And, and rightly so, they, you know, they, they, you know, they deserve that. Uh, they're on the front line. Um, however, I can't see, you know, 100,000 doctors and nurses all going to one concert at the same time. Um, so maybe they should open that up to all key workers, and then we could all go and uh, you know have a, a free concert to go and listen to. Sounds like a good idea to me. Mm. Now NHS—that's National Health Services. That's correct. Okay, because I, I see that acronym everywhere, but nobody's actually said what it meant, and I, I just assumed that's what it was. So good for me. Yeah, well done. <laughs> good, good guess. <laughs> yes, not bad, not bad. Uh, so you wanted to come on to the Soul Forge. You haven't been here for a while. And you wanted to talk about recent happenings in your life? That's right, yes. I mean, I think the last time I was on, I was talking about my mother going, uh, having dementia and going into a care home. That's um, Yes, that's more than 100 episodes ago, I believe. Wow, yeah. So, yeah, that's been a few years now. Two, I think it's about two years since she's been in, in, in the care home now. And all things are good over there, and, and, and she's been well looked after. Although we are a little bit nervous with, obviously, the, the, you know, the lockdown situation. We just hope that nothing uh, bad comes into the uh, uh, into the home, because there have been a number of care homes over here that have had a, a whole uh, the whole care home has been lost. You know, thirteen people dying of all of the COVID nineteen. So it's that, you know they're all stuck in the same place. It's it's not good, uh, but so far so good. Uh, since then, life hasn't been too bad, but up until about a month um, a month ago, where it all sort of went uh, belly up. 
but basically, uh, the, our latest issue has was started last year, and this is with my youngest son Dominic. He's uh, he was last year suffering through school. He wasn't doing too well. Basically, he was um, having panic attacks um, at, at school, uh, anxiety attacks, uh, really, really uh, getting anxious. Couldn't um, couldn't stay in the in the in the school, and they they had to send him home a couple of times, and that happened right uh, right before the summer break. So uh, you know we were a bit worried about it, but um, he didn't seem to be too affected. When he got once he got home, he was he was fine. Then through the summer break, he started showing signs again of being sort of in a in a, in a very low mood and and um, not wanting to get up in the mornings. And we thought we didn't know whether this was just a typical teenager. Uh, Dominic's uh, you just turned 17 at this point. And that's your youngest. That's right. There was a couple of times where we couldn't, we just couldn't get him out of bed in the morning. So we, we, we tried to wake him. We, you know, he was, wasn't responsive. We tried and pick him up and he was just like a rag doll. Hmm. Um, so it was a bit concerning and we didn't really understand what, what it was all about. One time we went uh, away for my, uh, my, my dad's birthday and uh, we were there with my sister and brother-in-law and my father, obviously, the whole family. And we were staying in a hotel. We'd gone out and gone around a museum and Dominic had been really fine, absolutely, you know, completely normal, if you can use those words. Mm-hmm. And in the evening, he, uh, we came back and we said, right, OK, we'll all meet down in the restaurant for a meal a bit later. So we got back to the hotel and he went up into his bedroom and just collapsed in his room. And we couldn't rouse him we couldn't move him you know he was making noises but he wasn't you know wasn't being responsive and we'd seen this a few times so we said well we'll just leave him for an hour or so and see if he can if he can pull himself out so we had then had to go down to the restaurant and have our meal my wife went up uh, to see how he was came back said he was still the same i went up and tried him again nothing and then at the end of the meal we said right okay and we managed to get like a takeaway box for you know with a, with a meal for him and we took it up to his r- room and he was sat up and he was uh, playing on his phone and he was a little bit sort of down, but otherwise OK. And um, so we said, well, we need to sort this out. So we, we went to the doctors and we took him to the doctors. And the doctor said, well, we seem to think this is sort of a little bit like depression. And we said, well, well, that's what we were thinking. But we we didn't really know. We hadn't really looked into depression too much. We didn't really know what it was. Um, so. This so he basically said right okay we'll we'll put him on a, a therapy course so basically a one to one with a counsellor and it's it's a six week course and we'll see how he goes so we said right okay that's not a problem but at the same time he was saying things like you know try and try and get him up in the mornings and you know try and get him out for a walk and you know get see some sunshine and you know, get him into a routine of you know meals and sit sit him down at the table and eat you know have a dinner with him. And, you know, nighttime, make sure he gets to sleep, make sure he's off his computer, off his phone. And I said, we have got zero chance of that because in the mornings we can't get him up. Uh, During the day when he does get up, which could even be at four o'clock in the afternoon, he's pretty much, you know, in his room, locked away in his room. He'll go onto his computer and he'll watch his computer. We'll go into him and say, right, come on, come and have your dinner, drag him down for dinner, eat his dinner, go back upstairs, back into his room, back on the computer again. Nine o'clock, ten o'clock, we, we go into his room and say, look, can you get off the computer now? You need to go to bed. He gets off the computer. We go to bed. He gets back up, jumps back on the computer again. So there's no way we can regulate any of this at all. So how, how are we supposed to, to do that? So anyway, he started the, the course of therapy, and, and we were kept going on and saying, look, you know, 
Dominic, you need to get off the computer over night time. You're falling asleep, you know, at two, you know, six o'clock in the morning and not getting up. You, you hold, you're shifting into a different time zone. Mm-hmm. So he said, right, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I said, right, if that's it. I've had enough of this now. I'm, I'm unplugging the internet of a, of a night of a night time. So we did that, and he wasn't too happy about that. I'll bet. Um, so he, which made him sort of even lower in, in, you know, his mood dropped even more. Oh no. So he, I came down one day and I looked at, I looked at the internet and it'd been plugged back in again. So we, so I was unplugging it and then he would come down in the, you know, one o'clock in the morning, plug it back in again and he'd be on the computer all night. And, and what's he doing on the computer? He's just playing games, purely okay. playing games. It's, okay. it, you know, he's, he's not, um, that sort of, uh, child that would look into pornography um, although if he has, it would surprise me. I mean, he's a 17-year-old boy, for goodness sake. Of course. Um, but there's no evidence. I've, I haven't seen any evidence of that. Uh, believe me, I know where to look. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, the, and and also chat rooms and things like that. Yes, he was on certain chat rooms, but it was more to do with um, you know cartoons and Japanese Japanese anime, you know that the, those sort of uh, mm-hmm. you know cartoons. That sort of niche. That's that's his thing. You just know, Pokemon. Talk, talking talking to uh, talking to people online just about. Uh, plot or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and even to the point where he was he was starting to create his own characters, and there was a group of them that were trying to make their own uh, like YouTube program, and and one of them was designing the characters, you know, the physical characters, and then one, yeah, he was doing all the background to them and and giving them all their attributes and what have you. There was a, another person writing a script, and there, so there was a few, you know, there was a group of them that were getting on really well, but all of them were in America. Ah, so, so definitely so, a time difference. Exactly, like we have here now. I mean, you know, it's it's late over here, but it's early for you. So of course, that you know, that was the reason he was he was wanting to stay up. So in the end, I I was I got to the point where I literally ripped the cable out of the you know, ripped the power supply out of the um, out of the router overnight to stop him getting on the computer because he was he was just not getting up in the mornings. And then he got to he got eventually he managed to do the the six court the six. Um, Six-week course, uh, uh, yeah, the six-week course. But he did it over ten weeks because there was a couple of a couple of ones he missed hmm. because we couldn't get him out of bed, oh, wow. and uh, and he was in a low mood and we couldn't we couldn't get him out of bed. When he came to the second to last uh, of these courses, we got a phone call from the people who were running it. Now, of course, bearing in mind, uh, Dominic is now seventeen years old. We medically, he's an adult. Mm-hmm. So if he goes to the doctors, we can't go in with him to find out. If, you know, if he says no, I don't want you in there, we can't go in with him. We can't find out what he's saying to the doctor. Mm. Same with the counselling sessions, we can't go in with it. We can't ask what's being said, because the problem might be us. You know, it might, it might, you know, it, it might be that we're causing the problem or the issue, which you know, which is correct. You can't, you can't, we can't just butt in. It, it's all you know, medical ethics and all that. So we got a phone call from them, and they said uh, we're a bit concerned about Dominic. He's mentioned about. Uh, committing suicide now this sort of took us by surprise because we knew he was low and he was he was in a mood and all this but and we didn't really know why and what what it was but as soon as they said that we said well you know why why did he say that what what's he said and they said well it's to do with his computer being turned off overnight and i said for goodness sake so which so we're going to have to give him the computer back to get him back to normal so we can then sort of deal with him and, and and try and work with him there so we plugged the computer back in. The next week, they had the last uh, session, and then we heard nothing. So I rang them up uh, um, a few days uh, after this and said, "And said, look, he said you were talking about him wanting to commit suicide a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've given him the computer back. He's, he seems to be okay, but where do we stand? You know, well, he is now 
worse than when he went in. When he went in, he was just depressed. Now he's talking about suicide at the end of the course. They said, well, there's nothing really we can do. The course is over. If we feel as though we need any more, you know, to give him any more support, we can do. But you'll have to go back to your GP, your general practitioner. I thought, well, that was just a waste of, of two months. We've now got a child that's worse than, than he started. Wow. Okay. So we went back to the doctors and we said, <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. So we went back to the doctors and we said, right, okay, where do we stand now? And the doctor said, well, I want to speak to him. So he, sp- he spoke to him alone. We couldn't go in with him. So we asked Dominic when he came out, so, you know, what did he say? He said, well, he says he's going to put me on another course of uh, therapy, but we'll have to go onto a waiting list. He said, right, okay. But in the meantime, oh, sorry, uh, sorry, he'd gone back to, uh, sorry, at this point he'd gone back to school. Okay, so he's in school. So he went so back the, to school. The course started in the summertime. So, that's right. The course was through the summertime. We, we got to September. He started school. And in the first week, uh, he went in for four days. And on the fifth day, he couldn't get up in the mornings. And he was anxious and depressed and, and what have you. The following week, he went in for three days. The week after that, two days. Mm. And then the week after that, he didn't go in at all. We went back to the doctors and we said, look, you know, this, is, this is getting worse. You know, he's... he's we're in work. We can't see what he does during the day. You know, he's on his own effectively in the house. I mean, it's making us nervous. So, you know, we, and we we told him about the previous therapy and what had happened. And and uh, we had a, a different doctor at this point. A new doctor had come into the surgery, and he said, "Well, I want to see him go through a uh, talking therapy program, and it's got to be longer than six weeks." He said, six weeks is not long enough." He said, "So we'll put you on another course of therapy." So right, okay. So this was just before Christmas. Uh, he said, right, um, if you take him to these offices, they will um, you know, assess him and see what he needs. So we took him down there. He, he obviously spoke to somebody. We came back and he said, oh, they've put me on a waiting list. Uh, it should be within two months. I should get somebody, you know, a counsellor assigned to me. He said, right, OK. In the meantime, he's still not in school. We went through all the way through Christmas and he still wasn't in school. And by this time, he'd started to get a little bit happier. He seemed to be, a, although he wasn't going to school, he was more talkative and he was more relaxed and he, he seemed to be okay. And we said, well, obviously him not going to school is helping him. School was the problem. School was the issue. Hmm. And this is what Dominic was saying. The school he went to had about 1,200 pupils in the school. In his year group, there was about three or 400 pupils. That's a lot. And that's a large number of people moving around all at the same time, all having lunch at the same time and all, you know, all moving around the corridors. And that's when he would start to get anxious and, and he didn't like large crowds. So we got in touch with the school and told them this and said, is there any way you can email his work to him so that he can still do the, the, the school work? And, and they did. They said, yes, no problem. We can do that. And they, and they were, in generally, they were very helpful. They were trying to do everything they could to, to help him pass the exams because this is his last year at, at, in, in high school. Uh, the sort of decision year to do, does he go to university and all this. And, and we were you know, trying to get him to go to university because he wanted to go to university and he wanted to study, guess what, computer gaming. Imagine that. So, <laughs> yeah. So just after Christmas, we spoke to another doctor. We said, we, we managed to, um, oh, sorry, sorry. Just before, just after Christmas, I rang up the doctors and said, we're still waiting for this um, therapy to start. When does it start? We were told, uh, said, oh, well, you need to come in and speak to, to the doctor. And I said, well, okay, can you make an appointment? They said, yes, who's your doctor? And I told them the doctor's name. They said, oh, he's left the practice now. Oh, wow. Said, oh, right. I said, well, were you going to tell us that or were we just going to find out by phoning you up? He said, well, we, we, you know, we can give you another doctor. And ironically, it was my doctor. So I knew, I knew that uh, our doctor, and he's really, really good. He said, okay, we need an appointment to see him. So we went to see him. And we said, look, you know, this is the problem with Dominic. This is all the issues we've had. We really need him to do some exams 
in, in about six weeks' time, he's going to do some exams. We can't get him into school because he's he will just freeze and he will just be so anxious and you know it'll, it'll cause him problems. So he wrote a letter to the school and said these are the issues, and the school said came back to us and said. Okay, this is not a problem. Now that we have a letter from the doctor saying what the issues are, we can give him a separate room to which he can do his exams with a separate adjudicator, and there'll be a number. Of, there'll be a, you know three or four children in the same in the same class uh, that have got the same issues. So if you can get him in, then that's what we'll do. I said, great, okay. And when we were in there with the doctor, I said to him, look, you know, Dominic's obviously depressed and he's you know he's really low at the moment. Uh, although he's you know he seems to have perked up a little bit. Is there any medication that he can give him that will help him? maybe get over the anxiety, maybe you know, to help with his depression. Now, our doctor went through a list of, of the of medication that could be given for depression and anxiety and said two things. I can't give this medication. I can't prescribe this medication. It has to be, I have to be told by a medical professional in the mental health uh, department that uh, Dominic would need or benefit from some medication. Only then can I give it. And he said, and I would advise against that because of, and he gave a list of uh, reasons. One was uh, some of them are beta blockers, which are you know designed to sort of keep your heart rate down and make sure you're not you know it, treating the symptoms rather than the cause. Mm. Um, others w- would have side effects, which you know could be you know, detrimental to his health um, and all this. So so our doctor was really against it. So we said right, okay. And he said, and not, none of this will work within the six week time frame up to the exams. So it's no, so there's no point in even thinking about it. He said, you'll just have to deal with it. Uh, so we had a, a long chat with Dominic, explained to him, look, you know, go into the exams, give it a try. You know, if it doesn't work out for you, then it doesn't make any difference because you're not in school at the moment. You're not going to get any results. Right. If you come out with bad results, that's better than not, no results. So you know, it's just go for it, relax. You've got nothing to lose. So the six weeks went by, and Dominic did go in to do his exams. It was the first of a number of exams. Uh, the rest of them were due to be taken later this year. So he did them, and then and things seemed to be going quite well. You know, in about two months after Christmas, he he had been really sort of happy and chirpy and seemed okay. And then one day he or you know he sort of I, I saw him and he walked past me and he seemed a little bit down. So I thought, oh okay, he's he's having. Uh, He's having a day where he's a little bit down. That extended to two days and then three days. And then a week went by and me and my wife were starting to get a bit concerned. We said, well, this is a long time for him to be a bit, you know, in this sort of mood. He'd gone back into, you know, staying, you know, staying in bed and wasn't talking to us. If you went into his room to ask him, you know, a question, he would type on the keyboard and bring a message up on the screen rather than speak to us. Wow. Okay. That's different. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, we'd said this to the doctor once before, and they said, that's okay. He, at least he's communicating. Maybe in a different way, but he's still communicating with you. So we were asking him questions. You know, is it something we've done? Is there something we can help you with? You know, and all of, all of the questions that you, know, you sort of ask, you know, uh, instead of saying, you know, come on, don't be stupid, get up. You know, we were trying to be a bit more uh, relaxed about it and ask him things. And, you know, but he, he, didn't, he wasn't giving us anything to work with. So after a, a, a few more days of this had gone by, and it got to, I think it was a Sunday night, and we were you know, sort of go, basically just going to bed. Me and my wife had just gone upstairs going to bed. And this was around about half past 10 at night. We, we have a, 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 a room in the attic or a loft conversion. We were, we were upstairs in the bedroom. I could hear uh, Dominic come out of his bedroom, go into the, into the bathroom. Next minute, he was being sick. Hmm. He was throwing up, and I thought, oh, 
That's that's a bit unusual. And normally it's it's not a, a big thing when when both of my boys have been sick. It's not a, it's not a huge thing. They get sick, they you know, they throw up, and that they you know, get over it. They, they're not whingy and whiny about it. So I went downstairs and I went to open the bathroom door, and Dominic was just behind it. And I thought, oh, okay, fair enough. He's probably on all fours on on, on the floor, throwing up into the toilet, and and I can't open the door. And I said, yeah. so I asked him, are you okay, Dominic? You know, is, is it something you've eaten? And he sort of said, yes. I said, okay. So I went downstairs, uh, got a glass of water, came back up, and I said, put my hand around the door. By this time, he was standing up. I said, oh, take this glass of water and, said, and just you know, try and drink a bit of it. Just a little, you know, sip a little bit of it each time because you don't want to dehydrate yourself. You've thrown up, you know, obviously, a lot of liquid. So uh, he said, yeah, okay. So I went back upstairs, and uh, he seemed to be you know, sort of still sort of coughing and spitting for quite a while. My wife, by this time, had fallen asleep. I then sort of thought, How, you know, what time is it now? And it was, it was getting almost like half past 11, and he was still in the bathroom, and he was still sort of coughing and spluttering and things. And then the next minute, he came up, up the stairs and, and sort of knocked on our bedroom door, and I looked at him and said, what, what's up, Dom? And he was just stood there, and I thought, well, what's up, what's up here? So I went over to him and said, you know, what's the matter? And he said, I've just drank a bottle of bleach. Oh, my God. So I, I said, right, okay. So I said, well, let's get downstairs. So I took him downstairs and said, how much have you drunk? And he said, well, I, I tried to drink the bottle and I was sick. And I said, well, it sounds like you've, you've thrown most of it back up again. But, you know, this is, you know, why, why have you done this? And he sort of broke down. And he said, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm no use. Uh, you know, I don't do, I don't go to school. I, I've got no motivation. I, I can't be bothered doing things. Nobody would miss me if I was gone. And I said, yeah, well, don't be silly. You know, there's loads of people that would miss you. Obviously, you know, your, your, your mum and I would miss you. Your brother would miss you. And, you know, grandparents would miss you. And he's, oh, oh, no, no. So I said, look, okay. I said, look, we've got to get you to the hospital because obviously we don't know how much you've actually drunk. So I had to say to him, look, you know, get, get some shoes on, get, you know, put, put your bathrobe around you so we can at least get you in the car. Luckily, the hospital is only 10 minutes to, uh, down the road, so we're not too far away from it. There was no point in getting an ambulance involved. It would take just as long to get here. And he seemed relatively OK. You know, he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't complaining of anything other than a little bit of burning in his mouth. So I said, right, OK. So I went back upstairs, got my wife, had to wake her up and tell, tell her what had gone on. I said, Dominic's just tried to drink a bottle of bleach. And she was like, oh, my God. Ran downstairs, got in the car, drove him into hospital. They they basically took him in. It was a busy night, as it always is in the, in the NHS. They eventually took him in, uh, monitored him, took his blood pressure and you know, looked at him, asked him a few questions. We had taken the bleach with us so we could say this is what he's, he's drunk. They then took us into the, it wasn't intensive care, but it's it's basically that area where they, they obviously monitor you all the time. Okay. Hooked, him, hooked him up to a load of machines and said, uh, we, we gave them the, the bleach, and they said, right, okay, how much did you drink? He said, probably about a quarter of the bottle. He said, I think I've thrown most of it up. Uh, so they said, right, okay. So they checked his mouth. His mouth was okay. Uh, they took a load of blood, you know, obviously to test to see if, if anything was wrong with, with, you know, if it got into the bloodstream. And off they went. And we were, so we were sat there at about one o'clock in the morning, sort of like, what do we do now? Where do we go from here? We actually, uh, Dominic started telling us roughly, you know, what had been going on. We spoke to him for about an hour and a half. He was in a good mood, which was really strange. It was just what I think what had basically happened was split up from his girlfriend, mm. uh, which hadn't gone well. No. And he, his friends, there was a problem with his friends, but we still don't really know what the issue was. But I think he may have told some of his friends about the problem and they've just you know, teased him and, and said they, some things about they, him. They weren't supportive. 
Exactly. Uh, he did say that you know you've been let you've been not let down, but worse than let down by by a couple of them. So uh, the, there was obviously an issue there, and all of this he'd sort of bottled up. And of course, in drinking the bleach, that basically took the the cork off the top of the bottle, and all the pressure had just shot out. And from that point, he he was just he was talking to us. He was we were actually because we realised he was okay, and the doctors came back and said the blood tests are fine. There's there's nothing wrong. There's nothing internal. There's no internal damage. His liver's okay. His uh, kidneys are okay. Blood seems to be okay. Uh, your, your mouth will get better. It's just obviously you've burnt your mouth. But we'll have to have the mental health people look at uh, look at you and have a quick chat with you before we can let you go. So they put us into a separate uh, separate room. We, we were basically just having a laugh and a joke with him all the way through the the, the, the night. Uh, we all got really tired at some point, so we all took it in turns just to have a quick you know power nap. The mental health people came over, had a chat with him. They assessed him and said, "We think you can go home. We're not. We don't think you're a risk, and we don't think you're going to do it again. We we think you can. We can release you back home." At the same time, uh, the mental health, there's a support service in the mental health department, and we will come out every day to check that you're still okay, you're fine, and to check your progress and make sure everything's okay. So we eventually got him home. We've been awake for about 36 hours. We were all absolutely, absolutely drained. No doubt. Um, so we, we got to the end of that night, and we said, well, we've got, <laughs> we've got to go to bed. We had to take all of the uh, cl- uh, liquid chemicals, all of our medicines, all of our paracetamol, ibuprofen, everything like that, and take it out of the house, lock it away in the, in the garage, and say, right, we can't use any of this. They were the doctors were even saying you uh, you're going to have to hide all of your knives, any sharp objects, scissors. Wow. Okay. And we were saying, but this is ridiculous. We can't function as a family like that. You know, he's he's shown no evidence of of cutting himself. He, he's he's never self harmed. Dominic said, look, I'm too scared about knives. There's no way I'd self harm. And, you know, we believed and we said, yeah, we, we believe you in that. So we've kept the knives where they were, but then we had to go to bed. <laughs> and we think, well, can we get to sleep even though we're absolutely knackered? Can we actually sleep with knowing that he could just get up and do something silly mm-hmm. again? Mm-hmm. So that really, uh, we were all that tired. We all just went to sleep and thankfully everything was okay. Next morning we got up, we made sure he was up in the morning, he had some breakfast. And for the next uh, three or four days, he was absolutely fine. Mental health people came out. They spoke to him. He basically, we said, look, do you want to speak to them on your own or do you want us there? He said, no, I'd rather speak to them on my own. We said, okay, that's fine. Uh, so when they came around, we would come out. The first time they spoke to him was about for an hour and a half. The next day, they spoke to him for about an hour. The third day was about half an hour. And after that, they said, right, we're not going to come tomorrow. We'll come the day after. So we'll do it every other day. That carried on for, um, a, in total, it was a week and a half that they kept coming out. And they said, you know what? We don't think you're a risk. Uh, we're not going to come out every, every couple of days now to ask you how you are because that's making you feel even worse. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you constantly people come up to you saying, how are you? How are you? Are you okay? They looked at us and they said, they said to us, me and my wife, you're not the problem. So we're okay. He's in a very happy household, stable household. His brother had come back from university, so he was helping out as well. They said, as far as we're concerned, we're okay to... Um, uh, to let you to let you go we will then uh, get you in touch with your gp so that he can monitor you uh, for every two weeks um in the meantime uh, they did put him on uh, some tablets to you know, mood mood stabilizers i call them um they basically um increase the serotonin levels in the body so the, you know, it makes him feel a little bit happier low low dosage to start with 
And then after a month, they were going to uh, check that, see whether it needed it to increase it. So, so what had happened was my wife had had an operation the week before, which basically meant that she was uh, staying at home to recover from uh, from that. I had been given uh, a leave of absence from my work. They said, take as much time off as you need to sort this out and then get back to us and we'll sort out how we can, you know, how we take it from there. So I was, I was allowed time off. Um, at the end of that, we said, well, <laughs> how are we going to play this? Because... At some point, we've got to go back to work and we've got to get him to a point where we can trust him to be left on his own. You know, where do we go from here? So I spoke to my boss and he said, look, you can work from home. You know, that's that is an option to you. Rearrange the way that the rest of the department works so that any work that's needed to be done at, at, you know, in, in the office can be done by them. Uh, most of my work's on the computer anyway, although it is better if I do it in work. Um, so they allowed me to log in from home and I could use my you know, remote access to my computer at, at work, so I can do all my work there. Uh, my wife's going to be off from uh, was going to be off for a month, so she could look after Dominic. So that's what we that's what we did. And since then, since that time, Dominic has been absolutely perfect. He has got up in the mornings as much as a teenager will. In other words, of course. we. We wake him up. That's the, that's the other thing is, you know, is he depressed? Is he being a teenager? What, 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 is, you know, what is it? It's one or the other. Hard to tell sometimes. Exactly. And it could be the same thing. He's, he's battling hormones as well as depression and anxiety. So that doesn't really help. So we get him up in the mornings. We make sure he has his tablet. And then the rest of the day is his. Then he can then either go on the computer. He can you know, do whatever he wants. But, you know, at nine o'clock at night, at 10 o'clock at night, we tell him to get off the computer. He does. He gets into bed. He goes to sleep. We know he goes to sleep because he gets up in the morning again and he's fine. There's none of this sleeping through till midday or one o'clock or two o'clock or whatever. He's obviously not got his girlfriend anymore, and she was she was in America, so that's that long distance relationship gone. Oh, and, that uh, doesn't that doesn't help. It does not help. He, I think, basically, it was the champagne cork principle. Once he's been popped his cork, he's fine. You know, he's he's realised that there's no pressure anymore. School has been really good uh, to the point where we've said we think we're going to take him out of school because we don't think he can cope with it. That's what he his, his decision was. He wanted to do that. He didn't want to go back to school. He didn't want to redo the year. He wanted to get a job. So we said, right, well, you know what you got to do if you want a job, you've got to get you know start applying for for jobs. Mm-hmm. So he so he has done. Ironically, one of them is for a postman. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'll get him out the house. So. Right, that's so, true. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, uh, he's applied for a couple of jobs, which is more than he's ever done, and he's got a, you know, he's got a CV together, he's got a letter of intent, and, and he's, he's you know been actively looking on websites for for jobs and things. So that's a big a big step for him. He's you know, he is very uh, shy, he's very awkward socially. So for him to then say, I want to go out and do a job, you know, that's a huge step. It's a huge step. I mean, he hasn't had any interviews yet, but and that'll be the next thing. You know, it, 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 that's you know, face to face with you know, one or two people asking you questions. That's frightening at the at the best of times. But it doesn't help when you when you're going to be anxious as well. But we have we have turned the you know, and we were thinking right, okay, you know, when we get to the end of March, my wife will go back to work. I I will have to go back to work. I I, I assume you know, and, and my boss was saying, well, you know, they got um, you know, the HR department was involved, and they was you know, they're saying we can we'll give you as much help as you need. They were being really really good about it. And then COVID nineteen appeared, and and now you have to stay home. And now everybody has to stay home. <laughs> so. and, and there's no there's no jobs to go to, so he's not going to have an interview. That's true. Um, and but there was a, a job that came up in our local supermarket because they needed more people there to help with all the deliveries. Uh, of course, right. But he, but he had to be over eighteen because they sell uh, tobacco and uh, alcohol. And he's seventeen. So, 
and he's 17 at the moment. He's not 18 until June. So, okay. <laughs> oh, frustrating. So, just bad timing on his part. But still, you know, there's there's been two job ad, you know job applications he's put in during this time. So hopefully, um, when all this eventually dies down, there might be something there, or he might have, he might get a job elsewhere. It's you know, it's it's hard to get a job at the best of times. It's never it's never a good time to get a job. It, timing is everything. Oh, for sure. Um, and if he leave, well, by the time he gets to September, of course, he'll have all the other school leavers, you know, that, that will you know appear on the market. So that'll be another bad time to do it. And then Christmas, that's a bad time to do it. And there's no there's no good time to get a job. So you just have to you just have to be lucky most of the time. But luckily, he has uh, two very loving parents. You, you guys must have found that uh, you've all come become closer as a family. That is true. Uh, we are certainly closer to Dominic now than we have been for a long time because we've never been far apart from him he's always been remote he's always been one for staying in his room but he's never come down and, and you know blanked us deliberately other than when we were sort of putting pressure on him and being because this is where we're, we're the bad guys we're the parents we're the ones saying you can't do this Dominic. go to bed get up have your dinner do this nagging him all the time right. that's that's not what we want to be but unfortunately when you've got teenage parents that's what you have to be but of course then it's oh but then is this the depression now so we have to step back a bit and it's finding that balance of stepping away from him to give him his own room but getting closer to him to, to sort of push him to do things you know things that he doesn't want to do so it's it's a very fine balance and we've been lucky in the sense that he's not rebellious he's you know he's not you know he's, he's always been he's he's always been good you know what i mean he's very um, mm. well-mannered he's uh, you know a joy to speak to he's very intelligent they would uh, at one point they were talking about you know is he autistic but they and they did a, a, a basic test on him to see whether he was uh, anywhere near it they said he's on the he's on the very bottom of the spectrum so in other words there's a possibility he might be very mildly autistic he's, he's not autistic by any means he's just very intelligent but socially inept so which is two of the things that autism is sort does sort of have yes um he's very bright but he's he just needs a bit of motivation if he was doing something he really wanted to do he would give it 100 percent uh but if he doesn't want to do it then there's, there's no motivation there he doesn't he doesn't really get on with it so uh yeah other than that i mean there's nothing really been happening over the last year or so just that okay wow uh so what would you say that you've taken away from this experience i'm amazed that considering if if somebody came up to me uh, and i've and we've spoken to people we've been into self-help groups um a couple of times over the last few months we've gone in and we and they've said oh yeah my daughter's self-harming she's attempted suicide she's uh you know living on her own in this flat and blah 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 and you think, oh my God, how how could you deal with that? And and the you know the person will be saying, I'm I'm in tears every night. I can't understand. I think, oh my God, yeah. And then suddenly Dominic comes up and says, I've attempted suicide. And we're thinking, oh, how how are we going to handle this? How you know? And this has been the greatest test of my mental strength is to have something like this happen. And yet I don't think it's really sunk in the severity of what could have happened. I'm just dealing with what has happened. Right, and all, that, that's all you have time for. Exactly. I mean, we've not really looked back of it. We've sort of tried to sort of push it to the back of our thoughts, what could have happened. That's, I don't want to even think about that because that's frightening cause, because it didn't happen. And what he did do was more of a cry for help than a proper attempt. If he wanted to, he knew, he knows how to use the internet. 
he could have gone onto the internet and found out any number of ways of, of committing suicide. Oh, Easiest sure. way, loads of tablets. That, and, we, and ironically enough, we had a stack of, of paracetamol because my wife needed painkillers because of the operation she had been on. There was a stack of paracetamol downstairs. He could have swallowed the whole lot and gone. He didn't. He tried. He, he was just, what am I going to do? I know I'm going to drink some bleach. He, and the reason for that was I had just cleaned the bathroom, not with that particular bottle of bleach, but with another spray bleach. And the room smelt of bleach. Mm. So he's gone in and thought, I'm going to drink some bleach. So the opportunity was there. He just took it. And that's why, ironically, I went in and I didn't know he'd tried to drink bleach because the whole room smelt of it anyway. Of course. So my wife said, I can smell bleach. I said, yeah, yeah, I cleaned the bathroom before. Don't worry about it. Uh, no. <laughs> it, was it was something more than just, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, but one thing that I've not told my wife this, but uh, when I did go into the bathroom to try and see you know to try and help him there was a piece of paper on the floor which i didn't realize what that was of course it was a suicide note oh man one thing we did when we oh obviously when he went into his room to get his cloak on his uh, bathrobe on he just ditched the piece of paper somewhere a couple of days down the line we uh, we said look you know your, your bedroom is a mess you know all teenage bedrooms are, are a mess this was cr- absolute awful you couldn't see the floor there was clothes all over the floor there was all sorts of crap on the floor there was mold on the bedroom window because he constantly had his windows closed and and um, obviously the, the the damp was getting to it so he said look we're going i'm going to go in there and we keep saying to him tidy your room tidy your room tidy your room no 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 i like it the way it is i said no look your mind is a mess and your room is a mess let's get your mind sorted out and we'll sort out your room as well you know clean clean room clean mind hopefully mm-hmm. uh, if you want it redecorating we'll redecorate it we'll do anything you want to do Oh, I can't be bothered. I said, right, tomorrow I'm going into your room and I will start cleaning it. It took me three days to clean it, to Jeez. take out all the crap, to vacuum the floor, clean all the all the windows down. He had shelves with loads of stuff on. We ripped it all, all, all that apart and we you know, emptied everything. And in doing that, I found the note. I read it and I put it back where I found it. And as I was going through bits of paper and saying, do you want to keep this drawing, Dominic? No, throw that away. Do you want to keep this, Dominic? No, throw that away. And I picked up this piece of paper and said, do you want to keep that? He went, no, throw it away. So through the way and the, the note was was his way of saying i've had enough uh, i just want to hit the reset button that's basically what he's done he's reset himself and i said to him look this is a second chance this is your second chance now you've had you've had a bad do you've tried to you know sort yourself out one way that didn't work let's start again yeah, let's get yourself sorted out let's get yourself a job tidy your room um get yourself into a routine of getting up in the mornings eating your breakfast lunch dinner lots of drinks keep yourself hydrated you know, we'll start doing things. We'll go for a walk. We'll do this and we'll do that. Ironically, we can't do any of that now because we're locked down. But of <laughs> it didn't help. And of course, the other thing was his um, his therapy sessions. We rang up and said, "Why why haven't we had these therapy sessions yet?" And they said, "Oh yes, uh, we got a note here. Dominic says he's not available." Oh, he says Thank- he's not available. He says he's not available. That's the problem with having a seventeen-year-old son when you can't be there to listen to what he's saying. He can just say, "I don't want to do this," so therefore it doesn't. Hmm. So we said. He is available. We can take you take him down there anytime you like. They said, right, next Thursday. On Tuesday, we were locked down. They cancelled oh, all of his appointments. Of course. So, right. And it's taken them another four weeks to, to work out they could actually phone him. So they've, phoned, they've started doing phone uh, weekly phone-in sessions just to make sure he's okay. Uh, I am of the opinion we probably don't even need it. Um, I think he's settled down now. He's in a better routine. I am saying that, but I know deep down that this is just the first month or the first two months of a very long journey because we have got to make sure that he doesn't relapse. Because it could happen. 
it can happen anytime. We, um, we might not be there next time. He might now go away, get a, a job, be able to buy his own house, move into his own house. And as I did when I was a young kid at, at 24, 25, when I bought my first house, I found it very lonely, very depressing and hard to deal with. When, when you've been in such a tight-knit family, a very close family, and then suddenly you're on your own. Uh, that was very hard to deal with to start with. Now, if he had the same thing, um, we could be in a situation where we're not there to stop him from doing something again. Yeah, you just don't know. That's right. It's a it's a, a thing that's in the back of your mind all the time. The first few weeks, we couldn't go out to the house because we didn't feel as though we could leave him on his own. Uh, more recently, we have done um, because we, we know he's, he, we, he's, he's in a better place now than he was, and there's nothing to trigger um, anything bad at the moment but uh, we'll just have to take it day by day and week by week and, and see how we go but it really the, thing, the biggest thing I've taken out of, out of this uh, Sean is I didn't think I would have been mentally strong enough to deal with something like this but I've surprised myself and found out that I am and I'm very calm and relaxed about it well, that's good that helps him I'm sure yes I think it is a, a, a calm stable household I think is helping him and we're not going on about what he did and you know all this there's there's no we haven't ignored it there's very little mention of it now and again the odd thing you know right but um, not a constant but, reminder every day exactly yeah and and how is your so that's you? yeah that's amazingly strong as well uh, i thought she would be in bits i thought she would be having you know sessions where she'd be in tears and i think she has had them with some of her friends uh, she's got a good supportive uh, uh, network as well okay. um got a lot of friends a couple of colleagues at work a couple of who have been through something similar uh, ironically one of our friends a few weeks after dominic had tried uh, uh, tried his uh, attempt um their daughter did the same thing and she didn't uh, attempt it she said she had thought very strongly about crossing the road in front of a bus mm. and um she uh, so so they are in the same position that we are now they are trying to deal with it but apparently she's been self-harming as well um so there's a bit more of an issue there um and she's the same as dominic she's very intelligent very uh she's going she will go to university next year doing uh, a gaming course seems to be a similarity here but uh yeah she's going through the same thing so we do have people that understand what we've been going through and we understand what they've been going through as well so Uh, that helps both of you out more that's right Yes, that's right. So I'm sure we could do a whole episode on uh, intelligent people and gaming and uh, the effects, but I don't think we're qualified. But uh, there, there might be something there. Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, that, that is a whole, there's more than one episode in there, I think. But oh, uh, For sure, for sure. I think it may, it may be a thing that it, it's, you know, the human, human beings don't really know how to handle this sort of thing, how to be on their own and in front of a screen with lots of other people that you can't see. It's a totally different social interaction. There is no physical touching. There is no, you can't, sometimes you can't see the people like me and you at the moment. We're doing this Skype call without video. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we can't see each other, but you know, we can only hear what, what we're saying. We've no idea what the other person is actually looking at doing. You can't read the face. I can't see whether you've nodded off and fallen asleep or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or rolling your eyes or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it, it is a totally different thing. And I don't think the human body is, is really ready for this yet. No, we, we, we weren't designed for all this technology. No, no. But I, I am glad that you were able to uh, to share the story and that it has had a, uh, we'll, we'll say it's a happy ending. It's not an ending, but uh, we're, we're in a good spot right now. So that's that's something to be grateful for. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's the end of the beginning. 
we now move on to the middle section. But talking about it helps. And if anybody else out there has has any of these issues or any problems at all, really, I have always found, from my own personal view, is that talking about it helps. It doesn't solve the problem, doesn't solve the issue. But what it does do is it takes a bit of the pressure off you, even just talking about it, talking about it to, you know, to you Sean or talking about it to, to your friends or somebody outside of the of your immediate sphere right it so, really somebody, does help oh it, it it does for sure and I've been there myself and I've I've listened and I've talked to other people and yeah it uh it, it doesn't solve the problem but it, it, it helps that's right it does and uh, I I'm grateful and I thank you for sharing your story with uh, with all of our audience Paul well, thank you, uh, thank you for allowing me to do it. Um, I, I, there's a lot of people out there who'll probably be really bored about of, of listening to me droning on, but it, it, it can, it really does help. And if anybody else has the same sort of issues, come on here and talk about it. Uh, get in touch with other people who have had the same problem. There's lots of support groups out there uh, that are willing to help and willing to listen to people and can offer support and, and ideas of, of how they've got through things as well. That's right, and and if they if they even want to just come on Soulforge and tell their own story, they're more than welcome to. That's that's what we're here for, basically. Exactly. So once again, I'll thank you for coming on the show, and uh, thank all of our audience for listening and for uh, just being there. And hope everybody's doing okay during the COVID crisis. But until next time, take care and remember, you don't grow when you're comfortable. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Soulforge podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated and we hope you'll tune in again next time. Remember that you can visit soulforgepodcast.com for all of our social media links, and don't forget to share the show with everyone you know. The Soulforge Podcast is your best source for living your best life. Think about it. Welcome to the Double Feature Picture Show. What do you want to see? Well, I want to see something really good and something really bad. Like maybe Total Recall and Junior? Sure. Or The Rocketeer and Country Bears? Absolutely. Maybe even Dogma and Yoga Hoses? I mean, of course. Who programs such cinematic excellence and hot garbage together? Why, only the double-edged double bill, my good man. Available on the ESO Network and wherever you get podcasts. That was a good one for you, wasn't it? You didn't have to say much. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I didn't even uh, have a a chance. (laughs) Mm. Uh, So what should we call this thing? Ooh, um... Funny thing, you know what the funny thing was? I say, I feel, funny is the wrong word. Ironic, I should say. My wife's ringtone is the theme tune to MASH, because she's a big fan of the TV series MASH. Of course, the theme tune is Suicide is Painless. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, that's that's the words to it. And when we were in the um, hospital and we were all sat down and talking, my wife's phone started to ring, oh, no. and Dominic turned around and said, well, that's uh, an inappropriate ringtone, isn't it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, ooh, so maybe there's your title. Suicide is painless. That could that could work. And if you wanted to put that bit in at the end, you could do as well. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, otherwise, that's otherwise, it's going to make no sense. No, true enough. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the T Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.